So how do you attract new business so you constantly don't have to chase it? Hi, I'm Mike Cuevas, the Real Estate Marketing Dude, and this podcast is all about building a strong personal brand people have come to know, like, trust, and most importantly, refer. But remember, it is not their job to remember what you do for a living, it's your job to remind them. Let's get started. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Marketing Dude Podcast. Folks, uh, what we'll be chatting about today is um, how you diversify when the market stops uh, transacting by 33%. What are you going to do during this recession? This is going to be the best opportunity that most of us will see to actually start building wealth. And you don't make a lot of money when everyone else is buying houses. You make a lot of money when no one else is because that's where the opportunity is. And if you're not adapting the mindset of becoming a real estate problem solver right now, people are going to be eating your lunch. So what I wanted to do today was bring on a um, an, an investor, um, not any investor, Latino investor. That's what we got on the show here because we support our Latinos <laughs> on the show. Um, but what we're going to talk about, guys, is sort of how to start thinking outside the box. Uh, here's the reality, right? You're going to, there's going to be a lot of opportunities. And when the market shifts like this, there's going to be a recession. People are going to be losing their houses, their jobs, and other things. And they're going to need help. And this is why every real estate investor in the country is salivating on the sidelines right now. They're not getting in yet, but they're just sitting there. They're putting on their helmet. They're strapping on their chin strap and they're putting it in their mouthpiece because they're about to go to freaking feast. And uh, that's why these markets are so exciting. And real estate agents, lenders, you guys are in the best position to take advantage of this different stuff. So uh, we're going to get into that a little bit further right now. But without further ado, let's go ahead and introduce our guest, Mr. Martin Perdomo. I say Perdomo, right? That's correct, Perdomo. All right, Martin, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone hello and tell them a little bit about yourself. Hey, everyone. Thanks thanks for having me, Mike. Um, really appreciate it. It's an honor to be here on your show and talking to your audience. I've been investing in real estate since 2007, man. I first fell in love with real estate when I was 16. At 16, I grew up in New York City, born and raised in uh, Washington Heights. And those of you that are familiar with New York, that's the hood, man. It's rough in the 80s and 90s. And at 16th on my uh, at 16 on my 16th birthday, my mom kicked me out for the ninth time. She said it's it. <laughs> she got, got home. She kicked me out, and I quickly realized my um, sleeping in trains and in rooftops and in parks in New York City and in the beaches in Far Rockaway Beach that uh, human beings needed something really important: that shelter and food, right? Yep. And that's when I first fell in love with real estate. I made a decision unconsciously that I was gonna own a lot of real estate. So I never have to go through that pain again. And that's what I've done. So that was, you know, that was my, that when I made that decision, I bought my first investment, I bought my first real estate piece of real estate when I was 21. And um, I bought my first prop, my first uh, investment in 2007. So I was a mortgage broker. And, you know, I was the guy giving people those those all those bad loans, yeah, subprime loans. I was countrywide days, baby. That's I, right. I remember that. I remember countrywide and all those. Never, guys. never before in the history of real estate has a college graduate at 21 years old had the ability to make 752 million dollars a year just right out of college at their first entry level job. That's the type of market it was for those of you guys that weren't around back then. It was crazy, man. It was, we were making so much money. I remember uh, my being in, in my conference room with my sales team and telling them, I, I didn't know what I knew now, right? Obviously. 
And I remember telling my people, saying, hey, man, we're giving these, these loans, these $300,000 loans to someone making $40,000 a year. Fundamentally, it just doesn't make sense. But I wasn't intelligent enough. I wasn't smart enough, astute enough to know how to look for the opportunities. I didn't know how to prepare. Like you said, when we started earlier, um, the real estate investors are salivating, right? They're chomping at the bid, right, for, for the opportunities that are going to come. And, um, you know, last year I was saying the same thing, like, this is not sustainable. People yes. offering me $60,000 over asking over the weekend, like put a property in the market. And it's like, I'm like, this shit doesn't make sense. Like, It's, it's like gonna, deja vu, right? It's not going to sustain um, <laughs> long term. I want to say one thing real quick while he says that, you guys, this is an important point. I don't mean to cut you off. The 90% um, of the market's never seen a market like this, like the agents out there. 90% mm -hmm. of them have never been through this market. And it's really? funny because I yeah, 90% of licensed real estate agents have never seen a shift. All right. We've been on a bull market for 12, 13, 14 fucking years. Right. So no one knows what to expect, including some of the top. We had one of the top agents here in San Diego. I got a little Facebook spat. If you're listening, I'm talking about you, bro. Um, the uh he's oh the market's never gonna crash. No, it's like the top agent in San Diego. Market's never gonna crash. Been doing business seven, eight years. <laughs> Dude, you guys all have egg on your face for anyone who's saying the market's not gonna crash. Whenever it goes up like that, it is unsustainable. And today's interest, today's, um, it's not a supply and demand issue. I don't think so. There, people want to buy houses, even though they're they're overpaying for them. It's That's an right. affordability issue, right now. That, mm -hmm. that is it. It's one of the reasons of why we decided. So I told you, told your audience earlier, we flip houses, right? So we decided our strategy now is when we flip, right? Because you got to be careful when you're flipping houses in a market like this. You got to really know what you're doing. You got to really understand the data. And that's one of the things that, you know, I learned from 2007 after buying my first, like a hundred, bought my first investment, a hundred thousand, I was a hundred thousand dollars underwater within two years. Same property was worth, I bought it for 279, 275. Same property was worth 179 two years later. And then and you bought like, in 07? Oh, so you got to call your pants yeah, down. Yeah. yeah, man. Yes, sir. However, um, I just saw a comp. That property burned down. I had college kids in there. They burned it down and that saved me. But I just saw a comp. Uh, I just bought a triplex not too, about a month ago. And uh, the appraiser comes in here. He's, and I'm like, hey, what are you going to bring that in at? And he's like, um, I don't know yet, but here's my comps. I just saw a comp for a property two doors down from there. Same like exact square footage of that property sold for 385. So my lesson, right, is real estate is very forgiving long-term, right? If don't wait to the, the good old saying, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. So even if I would have hung in there 14 years later, I would have turned, I would have, I would have turned around. It's a good point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so if, you know, it's about that mindset of having that long-term thinking in, in terms of long-term and not just right now, when you flip properties, um, like so one of the things that one of the strategies I do, if you don't know what you're doing and a lot of the pretenders are already out, right. You got Redfin just left. You got Glassdoor left. You got <laughs> Glassdoor <laughs> or whatever their, their name or open door or whatever the name of that. I like Glassdoor. That's a, that's a really <laughs> good way to, to phrase it. They, they, they all got out. And I, I remember talking to my team, Mike, uh, last year saying, you know, those guys can't compete with us. And the reason I say that those guys can't compete with us is because while they have, virtually unlimited funds right they have all this money 
we're intimate in this market. Can you imagine, those of us that are seasoned, all right, think about this for a second. Those of us that are seasoned investors, what is the toughest part of the rehab process is dealing with those freaking contractors, right? That, that is the toughest part, right? Those contractors will eat your freaking lunch. And can you imagine what contractors, if they try that shit with us and we're local, we're here with hand boots on the ground, we have a team assembled and everything. What are they doing when they get a call from Zillow? Hey, I'm Zillow in California and I want to rehab. They're killing those guys. Yeah. Right. They're, they're eat, like, can you imagine what they're doing to them? So, um, and again, not, not, no disrespect to them, no, not throwing shade on them. I just, on a one to one, they really can't compete, right, with us locally because we're local, right? They just, well, they're not, they're not in the business of making money. They're in the business of spending money. Um, yeah. And they have to spend X amount of money in those hedge fund worlds, whereas the mom and pop or the individuals are actually in the business of making money. And what I never understood with all these funds is like, why are you guys like out in like the worst times to buy? Like they came out in 07 too. Remember they started buying and they went out right away. It's like, dude, you got to, you create the fund like in a six months from now. (laughs) And then you buy all the the properties. You don't buy them when everyone's paying peak dollars for them. That's just like, you would think that they would do like more research on like how real estate works for these high-end funds, but none of them do because they're just spending money um, like a drunken sailor. It doesn't make sense to me like, like I study the data, man. Like I'm like, you know, what? Why would you like? Why? How are you guys justifying those decisions, right? One of the decisions we made earlier this year when we saw this whole, all of the correction and interest rates going up, actually uh, late last year, I said we're gonna now shift to when we do flip a property, we're only gonna do properties below sub two fifty, right? ARV sub two fifty, and that's because in our market that's considered affordable. And what I did was I went back and I studied 1981 when interest rates were 16%, right? Those that kind of environment that we're kind of projecting we're going into. So I studied what investors were doing then, right? And I looked at, hey, people were still buying houses. I bought my first house in 2000 and it was, I paid, I had an FHA loan, 9.75% interest rate was my rate. People are bitching about 7% interest rate right now. I'm like, stop it stop like stop like you know that's not my first investment and I was a mortgage broker in 07 was 7.75 right and I had a 740 credit score and I was a mortgage broker and I gave myself the absolute best deal um and so we decided we're going to only buy properties that are in the affordable space because in 1981 the the investors that were making money were 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 selling properties that were affordable then we feel, based on the data, income, and things like that, demographically, we feel that 250, regardless of where interest rates go, if we give a good product, good clean product turnkey. We're always going to have a pro- we're always going to have a buyer for that. So it's about studying the market, right, Mike? Like really knowing your shit, like really just studying and understanding what it is that you mean. I can't, I can't just go buy a house and throw on some paint and granite countertops, stainless steel appliances, <laughs> refinish the floors, and make a bunch of money. Yeah, that's what that's what the novices do, and that's how they lose money. So let's, exactly. let's so here here's you guys if you if you listen in to what he's saying, like real estate investors um, are a large part. Um, I've been become investor friendly first and foremost, like for all the realtors listening to this, you got to become investor friendly um, because that's where the transactions are going to go. Like, would you rather work with an investor that does like ten houses a year, or would you rather work with a one individual buyer that's going to bitch about the GFCI outlets and their dad's going to come to the inspection and give you a heart attack. So which route do you really want to 
go with it. And with that, you're going to have, this is why I'm, I, I bring him on the show is because you're going to have these conversations. I got some questions um, for you, Martin, because there's a lot of agents and I want to get more into your strategy. But the question for you is, would you like if you had like, first off, how many investor friendly real estate agents do you really know? And I'm talking about like, that know their shit, like investor friendly people that are going to go out there and source deals for you. People that they'd be like, Hey, yo, do you know, like the zoning in here is way underbuilt. If you brought this to its highest and best use, you could probably do this with that. How many people are talking that way? Dude, I host the local real estate investors meetup in my market. And I talk about this exact same, exact same thing you just brought up. There is a handful, maybe three in my market that I can, that can have that kind of conversation with me. And, and not, it's not the realtor's fault. They're taught to stay out of trouble in, in real estate agent school. They taught, they're taught to be scared. And this is, they've taught that anything outside of a mortgage, traditional 30-year mortgage or 15-year mortgage is, oh, it's illegal. And they, and I, and this is what I tell realtors when they come is learn how to provide value to a guy like me, because I'm the gift that keeps on giving, right? Like I'm the gift that, you know, I'm the guy that's going to give you transaction after transaction. You want to partner with guys. It doesn't have to be me, but a guy like me, right? Fortunate for me, my wife is a realtor. So I've trained her on how to think. <laughs> I was going to ask her. Right? Like, yeah. like, 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 you got, you like, guys are probably like going to like Valentine's day, talking about cash on cash return and cap rates. Yeah. So, 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 so realtors just understood how to speak the language and they understood how to provide value to like just exactly like a ton of money with uh with guys like us that are we're constantly buying right they you know we're not gonna bitch about little gfci outlet we're not gonna bitch about the roof we're not gonna bitch about this like we just wanted the deal it makes sense we run the numbers it makes sense let's do this deal and you sell it to us and you're gonna sell and and then you're gonna sell it for us so it's a double whammy right that's that's smart playing that's playing it small well most people though think that investors have a bad name like the agents oh if the investors winning someone's getting ripped off that's not true like guys again i'm going to rewind what happened in 07 people are going to need um investors to bail them out i mean that's just what's going to happen um investors yes they make money but so do you right are you a dick are you a dick for fucking selling me a house at a five percent rate that you just put on the MLS and you just let the MLS sell, let's be honest, right? So you have to open your mm -hmm. eyes to this stuff, you guys. And that's my only goal at this show today is to really get you thinking outside the box, get you guys really looking at why um, not only do you want to become investor friendly in this upcoming market, but also work with different investors. And honestly, like who here wants to sell real estate for the rest of their life? Nobody. Nobody mm -hmm. can last. The reason why 90% of the business hasn't been through a shift like this is because no one lasts in this business for more than 10 years because it can be a grueling job. And most of the people that start out and do very well become investors themselves. You would think that makes common sense. It's like sort of the natural progression of a real estate agent. Learn the market, go in there, and then eventually become the investor, become your own best client at the end mm -hmm. of the day. Um, so let's get into the, some of these strategies now. I just want to paint that up because I, I want to point you guys in the right direction ahead um, during this recession. Um because um, just do it. Trust me. Um, where I wouldn't had is just being a, a regular residential agent anymore. I just would stay away from that. I adapt. It's time. So let's get into this. You're going to go into the buy and hold, which is attractive. A lot of investors like to make the quick buck. It's uh, harder to find a buy and hold. Let's get into that uh, strategy first. Buy and hold is a different buy than buy and flip. 
guys. I'm sure you guys understand that. But what do you look for in a buy and hold? Like, I just want to play real estate agent and you play investor. That's what you are. And I, mm-hmm. hey, dude, what do I look for? What kind of properties are you going to buy? And what's the strategy in this? So so when I'm looking for a buy and hold, I'm looking for a bigger place. But if, you know, I, I don't know who your audience is. Let's just, I just bought a triplex. Let's just, let's just, let's just look at that, right? I just bought a triplex a couple of blocks from here. So that's the most recent one I bought less than a month ago. And when I looked at that, I look at a couple of things, right? It's a little, you run the numbers differently, right? I'm looking at, I'm looking at cap rates. I'm looking at income. I'm looking at value add opportunities. So, so those of you that don't know capitalization, what capitalization rate is, capitalization rate is my rate of return, on my uh, on what that's the rate that properties are trading at um in a particular market right that's how you could you calculate the value so i look at hey what's the rent what's the current rent in that particular asset um and then i look at what can i get this rent to and what do i have to do to the place to get it to that rent so for instance if i have for let's just say make even even if even numbers. If I'm getting $36,000 a year, 40, let's call it $40,000 a year from that triplex currently, and it's underperforming. So it's underperforming by like 15 grand a year, right? 15 grand a year. So I can get it to fifteen to $55,000 a year. How much money do I have to put into the property to get it to give me that? And then what's my valuation once I increase it to that income? So it's a it's a little bit different beast, right? I'm running different animals. And I'm running different different numbers. And then can I exit on a refi um, to bur it? And maybe the, your people know that your, your people are familiar with the buy, uh, renovate, uh, rent, refinance, and repeat. If I can bur it, then what's my what's my what's my tenants and um, what can I refinance it out and will it still cash flow? So there's a lot of different moving parts that I'm looking at. For instance, this particular one, Mike, we it was a three unit, it's a three unit. Uh we have uh crappy tenants in there, places falling apart, it's way underperforming. I mean, the rents, I can get another six hundred dollars in rent. What do I have to put into it though? I have to put in there's a hole in the roof, like roof's getting done tomorrow. There's a hole in the roof. It's just falling apart. I have no idea how people would live like that. But my value add, my upside in this particular, and agents pay attention if you're predominantly listeners or agents, my value add was that there is a, there's a meter in the meter base, electrical meter base, there's a fourth meter. And the basement, it's a walk-up basement. And that was grandfathered in that there was an apartment there at one time. There's a kitchen and already a bathroom in there. It's full of junk right now. But that right there turns, changes that whole property. I can go in there now, put a new meter, put it rewired, put new, redo the bathroom, redo the kitchen, turn it into a brand new place, right? And I go from buying that place, I'm going to wind up putting about 60 grand in, in rehab into that property. Uh, I bought, bought that place at two, uh, 190, let's call it 200, 196, let's just call it 200, 200, I'm going to put 60 in it, I'm going to have 260, the after, we, we call it ARV, after repair value, the new valuation because I'm forced appreciating it, the new valuation of the property projected after I'm done is $475,000. So what can I refi it at, right? What, what, can I, what can I get with that, right? How much equity do I have? I just created a ton of equity for myself in this particular, and I have a cash flowing asset and the asset will be paid by the, by the, the debt is paid by the residents 
and I keep the assets and I still cash flow. It's a win, 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 win situation. But you got to know how to buy. I know I kind of gave you the long, long view, but that's uh, the kind of the 50,000 foot view of all the moving parts when, when I'm looking at buying uh, a multifamily. Now, something that small, I'm going to look at it that simple, right? Something bigger. We, we purchased a 57 unit earlier this year and that one similar strategy. Hey, what's, what's the rent strength for 700? We pushed them all the way to $1,100 a month. We sealed the driveway. We dropped about 200,000 in the property, did a bunch of, we bunch of things to add value to the place. And we forced appreciated uh, the asset at that scale. Now we forced appreciated by about $2 million in less than a year. Um, that's a bigger scale. It's a little bit more sophisticated, but it's same, same, same pro I man, it's the same process. And if agents just learned how to, like, if they just got educated, listened to guys like you and learned how to do things like this, man, like, like learn how to run these numbers and bring deals like this to guys like myself, holy smokes, man, like sky's the limit for you. Your life yeah. will be so much easier. I do have a question for you, Mike. Sure. What are your what are your projections? What are you seeing um twenty twenty three is gonna look like? I think it's gonna change on where you're at geographically. I think the blue states are gonna get their ass kicked um like they already are. I'm in San Diego, they're getting crushed. Um, I think it's an affordability issue. So the high peak markets, the Phoenix, Las Vegas, um, all of California, um the Midwest markets seem pretty safe. Um, from the time being, but yeah, it's a, because I don't, everyone, the typical real estate agents, oh, supply, demand, there's demand. And they're just reading these talking points from National Association of Realtors, right? But in reality, no one's considering gas prices. No one's considering inflation. And no one's talking about the stuff that takes the average Joe out of the market and more concerned about what's going to happen tomorrow for their kids. And that's the reality of it. Um, the average, no, people don't have savings. You guys like people act like there's a bunch of people have savings. No, the vast majority of people out there have are living paycheck to paycheck. And when everything goes up two or $300 up a month, like, I'm sorry, you're no longer thinking about buying that house. You're thinking about how you're going to feed your kids tomorrow. So mm -hmm. I don't think it's in a supply and demand issue. I think it's all affordability. And I personally think that our government is trying to crash the real estate market. Um, that is many evidence of that. They're trying to why they're doing it, we won't go into conspiracy theories. But um, point being is that it's happening, right? So um, now with that, I think that as the recession hits and the more and more stuff they do to crush the market here, there's going to be people that are in distrust. And if mm -hmm. I'm focusing on anything, it's motivated sellers. And that's why we built OwnerAdvocate.com. So if you guys want to check that out, go ahead and check that out. Um, I'm going all after motivated sellers. But I believe everyone needs to be a problem solver because when I do know from the last crash... Um, if you guys have been listening to the show, I, I mentioned this a couple of times, but we are big short sale, 25 to 35 closed short sales a month. I was buying 8% of those and flipping them, but I didn't care about the transaction. What I focused on was just helping people. We did that for about mm -hmm. two years in a row, largest short sale team in the country doing the exact same stuff that I believe is about to happen. It's not going to be as bad as it was in 07. Um, I don't think they'll, I think they'll, they'll never let those foreclosures go to public. I think they'll transact them behind closed doors to the funds and all the other things so that the public perception doesn't crash like it did last time. But there's going to be a million opportunities for the mom and pops because the iBuyers are now exiting. So there's our big cash buyer competition. And um, where you're at is smart, like focusing on the lower dollar, the affordability within your issue is probably where I would play too, because no one knows what's going to happen tomorrow. 
So if you're rehabbing, I wouldn't go for the luxury rehabs right now. I wouldn't even touch them. I wouldn't even think about them. I would do exactly what you just said. You want to be right in the affordability area because it's not supply and demand. It's affordability. That's your right. issue. And nobody wants to get caught with their pants down because I could tell you, I know, <laughs> I can tell you so many people who have. Um, like I said, you guys, we both, we're both talking here. We both were around in 07 doing the same stuff. And um, you just have to be a little bit careful. Now, on the flip side of that, get excited because I'm not trying to paint doom and gloom. Um, I think you'll have more opportunities. Like, I think there's a ton of opportunities right here in San Diego because I think it's going to crash here more so than in like Florida. Mm -hmm. The Texases, the Floridas, um, all the inbound states are still inbound. We have clients all over the country and they're not as effective as much. But the Midwest states, I think, are going to be safe. But the high end luxury is what I'm seeing struggle right now, the higher end of your markets. Yeah, I, I'll share this with you. I went to a conference and I'm not going to mention the conference name. It was in February in Colorado because I don't want to I don't want to put him in bad light. But um, it was this very same day, Mike, that that Ukraine got invaded by Russia. And so I just flew into Colorado and the news hit that morning. And I was like, OK, this is great. I'm in the biggest commercial real estate investors conference. In, in our in our industry right one of the biggest so we're going to talk about this stuff you know gas is starting to soar right like all these things and we're going to talk about and i was so disappointed man um to your point of of what you said earlier how people are getting affected i was so disappointed that you had some really smart people there uh, people from marcus millichamp really really intelligent people and they were saying that interest rates going up at that time, February interest rates had just started going up, interest rates going up, gas prices going up, electricity going up to the levels that it is right now, 30, 40% increase in, in some in some places in electrical, in electrical, that it was not going to affect multifamily apartment buildings. And I and I was so disappointed, dude. I was so disappointed. I was like, how could you insult my intelligence? How could you insult my intelligence? I flew all the way out here from, from Pennsylvania to Colorado, and you insult my intelligence and say that this war is not going to have an impact, that interest rates is not going to have an impact, and that we're just going to keep riding this gravy train. It's an absolute insult. You understand what I'm saying? Um, when gas prices go up and your average working class person, gas prices are going up again. If you looked at the gas pump, they're going up because OPEC cut the, production. Well, the election's really, over. Of course, they're going up. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly, right. So, so, so when when that occurs, right, gas prices goes up, and now regular mom and pop working class America has to spend another two, three hundred dollars a month. Do you not think it's going to impact my rent collections? Do you not think it's going to and an electrical? Now you got to spend another twenty, uh, another twenty, thirty percent extra in to heat up your apartment. Do you not think that's going to have an impact? Like you are foolish if you expect me to believe that. And we as Americans, as individuals, we have to be able to look at this stuff and we got to be able to listen to people and discern and make our own decisions as to what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. Right? I, would, I would go out and say that, the, especially as a commercial, because the same thing happened in 07. I was one of them. Markets never go down. That's why I got caught with my pants down. Markets never go down. It always appreciates. The market doesn't go down. It was just my my inexperience, you mm -hmm. know, and the market, like what you said earlier, yeah, in the, if you stick it in the long run, you're always going to win, but there will go in and out and out, like just like what's happening to crypto right now. It's getting its ass kicked. Um, but you have to just be ready um, to adjust. No one knows the answer. 
But when things are going good, no one ever wants to talk about what the negativity of it. Cause the same thing happened. The same thing in the residential side. I was like, Oh, the market's going to go. You should buy right now. And I'm always like, dude, I wouldn't freaking buy right now. This guy just paid a, my old uh, neighborhood, there was a house listed for three mil and it sold at four, $1 million over list price. $1 million over list price. That's insane, brother. Like that's, that's crazy. Like, and then you would think that the people buying those houses are like, you would think they're intelligent and they would think about this stuff, but they're just, most times the people that buy at that price point, they, they have so much money. They don't really give a shit. Like an extra 500, $250,000 isn't going to do much, but you're right. Where, where it's going to hit is that middle America. And it's going to hit that middle America right when the spot that you're playing. So you're going to hit distressed assets. Plus you're going to be able to liquidate them and, and exit out of them. Yeah. Um, you know, what was the most interesting thing last year when, when we were flipping last year, I had quote unquote investors. First of all, most of us investors, we don't buy real investors. And I'm, I'm if this is you, I'm going to apologize for you up front. If you're an investor, a real investor knows how to find off-market deals, gets off-market deals. You, we, you've mentioned it multiple times. Um, when I had, the funniest thing to me was when I had, I sold multiple properties last year, 40, 50,000 over asking price, Mike, to quote unquote, Airbnb investors. And I'm like, holy shit, how... I'll be buying this property. Yeah, you're going to be buying that back in about six I'll months. Buying it back in a couple of years, right? Because I was like, I, I, I look at that. I'm saying, how are you making these? How are you penciling these numbers? Like, how? What investor buys? First of all, you're not an investor if you're paying forty, fifty thousand dollars over asking on the retail market, and you're competing with retail buyers. Like, 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 <laughs> you're laughing. <laughs> you're competing with retail buyers. You're not a real investor. Right, because a real investor is not competing with retail buyers. We're not buying to live. Retail buyers have the luxury of overpaying and falling in love with properties. We don't fall in love with properties. It is we're running the numbers. The numbers got to make sense. If the numbers make sense, we do a deal. Yeah, it's very non-emotional. Either works or it doesn't. It well, I like it. it. That's why I like it. Um, it. It works or it doesn't. And that's a problem with a lot of real estate guys, a lot of real estate agents. We investors have a bad rep amongst the real estate agent community at times at all but at times oh because they look we lowball well that's how we make our money understand that we have to buy at a certain price point in order to be profitable yep. if we pay what mom and pops pay when they're buying like a regular tradition we can't be profitable we can't we can't make a profit yep makes sense um what um any uh final words here like what you know where do you think we're going to go? You think you're going to do more holds here? You're going to do more flips? Where do you think the market's going to head? I'll ask well, the same question back to you. Yeah, well, we're. I think that the market is headed for a correction, but I got to tell you, Mike, I got it wrong in 2020. I got it dead wrong, right? 2020, I was preparing. I was salivating when, when COVID hit. I was like, yeah, this is it. Like, yeah. this is it. Right? We're gonna, I got it wrong. It went the other way. I'm looking at the data. All the fear mongering has already begun. As you know, it's already all over the media. The oh, housing market, this, a housing market, that. Well, I got to tell you, man, I just looked at the numbers. Um, I spent uh, a couple of hours this week looking at the numbers in my market, quarter over quarter. And man, we're steady. Like, we are still steady. We are still like, like, I'm like, okay, yeah, interest rates are going up. People still buying. I'm looking, I'm comparing quarter over quarter, like what's happening, comparing it to last year. And it's like, it's steady. 
So my advice is if you're going to be playing and you're going to be investing is don't be listening just to the media and what even don't even don't even listen to me. Right. Like if I'm telling you something, go do your own due diligence and, 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 and research it and do your own due diligence. Pay attention to what's happening in your market. Prepare. Like I was saying, I got it wrong in 2020. I thought that we were going to that the market was going to blow up and I was going to buy a ton of shit and it was going to be, you know, an amazing time. It didn't. It went the other way. Market just demand went up. Prices went up. Remember, that's what yeah. causes. Um, I could be wrong, man. I'm, I, I, I looked at I'm looking at the data. And while the the interest rates are going up and in some markets, prices, prices are coming down for sure. We are seeing prices, but a crash. I don't know. You know um, what I what we are doing is we're staying a couple things is we're staying disciplined with our numbers. We're buying right and we're planning for a worst case and we're getting ready for if that crash does come where we're going to continue to buy. What we are doing is we are staying in the game. We're not going to stop playing. We're paying attention. We're watching the data. We're being disciplined and we're not deviating and we're not making any crazy bets uh, right now in this market because we don't know where the market is going. Overall, we're staying disciplined and uh, we're studying the market. We're watching the data closely. And we're watching where things go. We're watching what the feds are doing, right? If you're in this business, you need to be paying attention to what the feds are doing. You yep. need to be paying attention to what they're doing. I do believe that there will be opportunity in the multifamily space because uh, here, here's my thought, right? Uh, there's guys that had that bought larger multifamily bridge and they got in bridge loan or 90% LTV and their margins were thin. So because... Those guys that were betting that the market is never going to stop and rents were never going to stop going down and all of that shit, right? Those guys that had thin margins and their value added was 50 or 75 or 100 bucks. And now they're in this position where the banks, the capital markets are saying, wait a minute, um, rates are going up. We don't want to. Now they can't cash flow and they can't make those numbers pencil out at these rates. Those things are going to go going to be on sale next year. Um, just, just because of interest rates. So that, that just makes logical sense for me. I, like I, yeah. I ran that, looked at that scenario. I was like, yeah, those people with those bridge loans that can't refi into long-term, they're going to be in trouble. If their margins were thin and they were betting that it was going to, rents were going to continue to go the rate, they're in trouble. Those guys are in trouble. They're going to have to fire sale. So I'm going to be looking for those and I'm going to be for those larger multis. But as for the single family, think about it, brother. It's not like when you and I were back in 07, right? Where... It was those two-year arms, right? 9.75, going to reset in two or three or four years. We don't have that. Now, we have an inventory issue because people are not selling. They have those two, three percent interest rates. They're looking at this and saying, we can weather this. Where am I going with it? Seven, right. six, seven. 100%. Right? Where am I going, right? So so it's just a weird time. It's very different. And um, I'm just, we're, we're just preparing. My advice is prepare. Get cash heavy precision, but be disciplined. Be disciplined with the numbers and pay attention to where the opportunities might, where the puck is going, right? Where the opportunities in, are going. In either way, like it's around how you buy, right? It's not on how you sell or when you sell. It's on how you buy. You got to buy right and you're good no matter what it is. Um, and you guys just got to be careful. But I mean, just by listening to the show, you guys, can't you see how you could reposition your brand and uh, niche down in, in, in these times when the residential market slows down a little bit? You niche down, you find a niche. And that's what you lead gen. And you do one thing really well. Uh, real estate investors never have a listing issued. And I don't understand what agents ever do. And it's because they know where to put their solution and who to put it in front of. Um, this is why I'm saying become a problem solver, guys. 
Um, people are going to need it. Um, and uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunity out there. Um, the only thing I would say, um, the the one number, and I agree with everything you're saying, the one thing I'm worried about, um, what I would put is that anyone who bought from 2022 first quarter to 12 months prior, and I'm talking specifically about the FHAs, the VA loans, and the 100% mm -hmm. near financing, like all those people, if the market does shift, like in California, we've already shifted 5.3%. So the cost to sell is 8%. 5.3%. If you only put down 2%, those people are already underwater. Um, yeah, that is, that's the, that's the one, that's the thing I can't get my head around because um, once people see that they're underwater, like, fuck it, I'm done. Just walk. That's what happened. That was the, the snowball effect that took place last time. And I, I can't get my head around that. So yeah, the affordability, but people want to buy, people are out there that they need to buy, but they're like worried about the affordability aspect of it, but there will be a lot of opportunity regardless of how you look at it. Uh, go ahead, where you yeah, say? There, def there definitely will be opportunities, Mike. The other side to that, though, Mike, is yes, there's already people underwater. Agreed, agreed with you. We've seen a 7% drop in value here. We peaked here in um, we peaked here in April, in April of this year here in the Poconos, and we've seen a 7% drop April to now, which is a, a significant a in that short amount of time, and that's a lot. That's a big, that's a significant drop. However, the 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 other side to that is you have those people, right, that have those FHAs, VAs, they still have those two, three percent interest rates. So, True. So, so while they're on paper underwater, on paper they're underwater, what's their payments? And remember, what do people buy? You know, payment. and this is why they buy payment. They buy payment. So hey, am I gonna walk away because on paper it says I'm fifty thousand underwater? And if I move my payment, my expenses for my family is going to go up. So it's again, it's a tricky time. Like I've I've thrown that shit around in my head. Yeah, yeah. Like tricky time when when people pencil the numbers out. Okay, do I walk away? My payment is fifteen hundred for this three hundred and fifty thousand dollar loan. If I go someplace else, what can I get for fifteen hundred? Right? What kind of prop? Where can I rent for fifteen hundred? What would I get? And people have to do that math. People will do that math. Some people will, smart people will do that math. Yep. Right? And it's like, and like I said earlier, if you buy real estate and wait over the long haul, if this is you and you're listening, remember what I said? I bought mine in 07 for 2000, for 275. In 09, I was 100,000. It was worth 179. In 2022, property two doors down from there, exact same property, a duplex sold for 385. So if you hang in there over time, over time, real estate is very forgiving over the long haul. If you can think the long term. Got to weather the just, storm, the baby. Data has shown me that the, the, the data has shown me that. And, and my, my message to your listeners, if you're listening and you're that homeowner, is hang in there and think of the long haul. Right, because you're gonna just make it worse for your neighbors, for the economy, for everyone. So if you could hang in there, hang in there. If you're distressed now and you have to sell up, you have to sell because you lost a job and you have no choice, that's a different, that's a totally different story, different conversation than you know, guys like Mike and myself will buy them. Yeah. Right? At, a, <laughs> at a discount. <laughs> at a discount for short sale or something, right? Yeah. But, but well, uh, if you hang in there. Very interesting, dude. Great conversation. Um, why don't you go ahead and give our listeners your closing thoughts? Where can they find you? Where can they learn more about your business, some of your trainings and our whatnot? 
Yeah, so so you guys can find me. I uh, check out my podcast, Latinos and Real Estate Investing Podcast. Um, I'm on Instagram uh, as the Elite Strategist. Look me up, the Elite Strategist. I have a ton of stuff. Uh, you can check out my YouTube as well. I have a lot of content on YouTube, uh, the Elite Strategist, where I put a lot of my rehabs and a lot of a lot of cool stuff on there. Live videos of evicting tenants and things like that. I show. I like to share with people the real the real stuff. A lot of a lot of guys out here like to show the fluff. I like to show yeah. the real real deal. Boom, 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 boom. FBI, open up. <laughs> I have I have a video like that with the uh, with the actual constable uh, uh, putting this lady out, and it's interesting because people on the inter- in the internet are like, "Oh, you're such an asshole. You're such this." What what people don't know is they don't know the full story, right? They don't know the full story. Like, hey, I gave this lady two months free rent. I let her like, this is it. Like, you know, like people don't know, don't know the full context, and the internet is is kind of brutal like that. So, anyways, go check it out. I have a bunch of stuff like that out there where, I, where we put it out. And Real life stories. It's not a pretty business. It's a profitable business, but um, ultimately, it's a problem solving business, right? Um, someone you don't make money, you're really good at solving problems. Someone's problems. That's all real estate is. Uh, folks, we appreciate you listening to another episode of the Real Estate Marketing Do Podcast. If you like what you heard today, why don't you go check out one of our products? It's called OwnerAdvocateAgent.com. If you need to sharpen in your uh, listing strategy and get more investor friendly, that's where you do it at. Um, and if you need seller leads, we have all kinds of them for you. So uh, go ahead and look at that and check that out and uh, keep listening to our show. You can reach us at realestatemarketingdo.com, referralsuite.com, or theowneradvocate.com. Appreciate you and have a good week and uh, see you guys next. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching another episode of the Real Estate Marketing Dude podcast. If you need help with video or finding out what your brand is, visit our website at www.realestatemarketingdude.com. We make branding and video content creation simple and do everything for you. So if you have any additional questions, visit the site, download the training, and then schedule time to speak with a dude and get you rolling in your local marketplace. Thanks for watching another episode of the podcast. We'll see you next time.